0: All right, Braves fans, we are back. I am George McNair, and this is State of the Braves. I'm going to jump right into it as we are going to go into how the Braves are doing, of course, as they're coming off of a three-game sweep of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, But also, we're going to talk a little bit more trade deadline stuff as we're only a day or two away. I'm coming to you mid-afternoon Sunday. Uh, So, of course, by the time this episode posts, there could be some news that I missed. Uh, but hopefully I'm covering most of what's going to happen. I mean, it would be actually kind of cool if I miss something, you know, um, would love the Braves to be active, uh, as much as active as they need to be. That is on the trade market, uh, maybe pick up a pitcher or two. That would be, I think of particular need, but anyways, I'm going to get into that later on in the episode right now. I want to dive a little bit into the brewer series. Uh, I also, since I've been with you, the Braves played two in Boston. That was a really weird series, and unfortunately the Braves lost both of those games, a little two-game sweep in Boston. It was odd on a, on several levels. You know, you had days off before and after that series. Uh, two-game series are also just kind of weird to begin with, and nothing seemed to go right in Boston for the Braves except for a very random triple play that they That they made so that that uh, has not happened to the Braves. They have not made a triple play I think since 2004. Uh, So 19 years, a lot happens. uh, A lot has happened in 19 years since the Braves uh, made a uh, triple play. So that was kind of cool to see. But other than that, there wasn't a lot of positives to take away from the Boston series. So I'm not going to get into that series too much. I do think in a lot of ways it was just a blip on the radar uh, in terms of what the Braves are doing and how they're playing. I think this Milwaukee series, in a lot of ways, you start to see the Braves getting re-energized. Back on track, especially offensively, Uh, they scored 29 runs in this three-game series against the Brewers. Uh, The pitching staff is still showing itself to uh, have some good moments and some bad moments, a lot of ups and downs from both the starting staff and the bullpen as the Braves are still awaiting several guys to get back from injury. Uh, we are getting closer to both A.J. Minter and, of course, Max Freed coming back, and, and those two obviously are going to give a lot of boost to the pitching staff. But until then, you're seeing uh, some guys in situations that you, I don't think, are going to see in August, September, and certainly October. Uh, but, yeah, the Braves pitching staff allows 18 runs, uh, in three games against the Brewers, the Brewers are a fairly weak offense. I would say at least an average to maybe slightly below average offense. So that's not great. But again, the, the positive side is the Braves score 29 runs in these three games, including 11 home runs. Uh, 11 home runs, Marcelo Zuna with four uh, in this three-game series. Matt Olson with three. Austin Riley with two as he continues his scorching hot July. Uh, at least second half of July, Rosario with one, and Ronald Acuna, who had not hit one in a little while, uh, also hit one in the second game of this series. Uh, Game one was this uh, 10-7 victory for the Braves. It was the debut of Yanni Chirinos. Yanni Chirinos was gotten uh, from um, basically being DFA'd by the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, He had coming into this game about a four ERA. It wasn't the best outing for him. He did show some flashes of good. He had a nice first inning, but he only gets through two and two, sorry, three and two thirds innings, gives up four earned runs and six hits with three strikeouts. So a few, a few good moments from him, but uh, I I do wonder, he's probably going to get at least one more start. Against the Angels uh, in this upcoming series, but I do wonder if he doesn't show much else, if he might be going by the wayside before too long, especially once Max Fried gets back into the rotation. I don't know that Chirinos, there's much of a spot. Was he just, you know, added to the roster uh, to, you know, to bridge the gap until Fried got back? I mean, it's just a couple starts, maybe, uh, but we'll we'll see. Uh, Game two in this series was an 11-5 win, a very nice outing uh, from Bryce Elder. Seven innings pitched, one earned run. This was kind of the Elder we were seeing in April, May, and early June. So it was really good to see that from Elder. Uh, really the, the best pitching of any Brave, I think, in this series. Uh, the bullpen wasn't super sharp, but you also had uh, pretty much the lower leverage guys coming in to this one. Um, and then Game 3 was an 8-6 to six victory um, in the finale of this series. smith uh was recalled for this game, which I'm going to get into here in a little bit. Uh, kind of interesting he was recalled at this point. He goes five innings, gives up three earned runs. Uh, he was a little erratic in this game, but there were some positives, of course. I think smith Shawver is giving you... The best opportunity, I mean, he has the highest ceiling, right, of any of these pitchers just because of his stuff. And uh, he showed it in this game, but he also gave up some home runs uh, and was a little erratic with his control. Uh, But nonetheless, the Braves are able to get all three of these victories. And going into this series, I was a little nervous. I mean, the, the pitching matchups, I don't know, favored the Braves in, you could argue, two of the three games. And yet they're able to come away with three wins. So I think it's very encouraging there. And, um, you know, one thing that's encouraging last episode, I just mentioned that I I started to wonder with the trade deadline coming up, if Anthopolis might consider a left fielder. Rosario had been very quiet um, and Marcelo Zuna had been very quiet. And so getting a left fielder with some, with some thump at least started to make a little sense, especially if they slid all the way into the trade deadline struggling with the bat. But Ozuna just absolutely goes nuts in this series with four home runs. And Eddie Rosario is picking up a little bit. He's not as hot as Ozuna, but he's uh, hitting 273 over his last seven games. He did have one home run in this series, as I've already mentioned. And so it's good to see both of them picking up the pace a little bit. And what this, I think, means, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious. I very much doubt that an outfield addition is likely now. Uh, That, on top of that, you know, I had mentioned Cody Bellinger maybe being the top outfield uh, candidate candidate for any big league club to go out and get that's, that's in the thick of things. And the Cubs have gone on an absolute tear, winning eight in a row. And they are in contention for the NL Central all of a sudden. So they pulled him off the market. They're not selling anybody. So um, that being said, I think the Braves offense and the position player, um, at least the starting guys, um, there's not going to be any changes for the Braves uh, via trade there. Uh, Austin Riley also just absolutely continues his torrid two-week stretch over his his last 11 games, and this includes – his um, This actually started in the Arizona series, right? So 11 games. Austin Riley is 17 for 44. That is good for a 386 average with 8 home runs and 19 RBIs. Uh, he's just absolutely clicked, and you might recall that it all started with him just basically forcing himself to relax, to not worry about all the little intricacies of his swing and just let himself react to the ball a little bit more, and he is absolutely mashing the ball. He's not missing, and and that you were seeing that a lot uh, before. He was just missing pitches that he typically hammers, and he's not missing anything right now. I know a lot of people before this streak happened, they were calling for Austin Riley to be dropped in the order. Um, they were, you know, wondering, it had been quite a while since we had seen a hot streak from Riley, basically a calendar year, you know, last July is when he really uh, caught fire and there were some talks of MVP, you know, candidacy, candidacy for Austin Riley and, um, and it had been a while since he had hit that hot stretch and now he's hit another one. And, you know, I looked at fan graphs today. It's always interesting to see their projections. Uh, for the end of the year they're projecting him to go the rest of the way with a uh, 128 uh, WRC plus uh, which is very good very very high over league average and finish with 36 home runs and they were not including the home run he hit today so I wonder if they would even project him a little a little more but that's basically what he's done you know Riley has been a mid to high 30s home run guy and it looks like with this hot streak he's he's likely to hit that and Look, I mean the really good thing that could happen is maybe he's able to continue this hot streak uh, for a long period of time and he's able to to go even further than that. but it is great to see Riley continuing his his hot streak right now. Matt Olson is also continuing to crush the baseball guys, you know midway through this season you were you started to scratch your head, you're like, man, I don't know if the Braves got exactly who they thought they were getting with Matt Olson. He was hitting in the 220s. He was hitting home runs, but it wasn't much else. A lot of strikeouts, and then something's absolutely clicked for him as well. He now is uh, with two home runs in today's game, including uh, the game-winning home run in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, He is now second in the big leagues in home runs with 35 behind only Shohei Ohtani, who has 39. He's also second in Major League Baseball in slugging percentage He's first in Major League Baseball in RBIs with 88, and he's fourth in OPS at 945. Otani's first in that category. Ronald Acuna is second, and Freddie Freeman is third, and then you have Matt Olson fourth. So Olsen has just had an absolutely remarkable year, and especially, I mean, if you basically put that starting line right when he caught fire in the middle of the year, he's probably been the best hitter in baseball at least in terms of power. Uh, so Matt Olson just doing some real work. And when you have uh, Acuna, Riley, and Olson who are all just on fire right now within the top four, it is a murderer's row. And Albies isn't a slouch either. He's not quite as hot as these other three guys are, but uh, he's doing some good things as well. I mentioned Ronald Acuna. He had a home run in this series He also had several steals, including his 50th stolen base of the season. Uh, Acuna is now on pace for 78 stolen bases, uh, which is on pace to break the Braves franchise record of 72 set by Otis Nixon. I think this was mentioned in today's broadcast. And Otis Nixon, uh, you know, for those of you uh, who were fans in the early 90s, you might know that Otis Nixon didn't quite have the power of Ronald Acuna. I think he might have had one career home run. (laughs) He was a pure speedster. And, I mean, when Nixon got on base, uh, you were betting that he was running and he had blazing speed. But it's just a reminder of how special Ronald Acuna is to be on pace to break Nixon's record and maybe get to 40 home runs at the same time. Um, It's, you know, Acuna is just a, a different animal. And it's been a pleasure to watch him uh, run the bases this season. So I mentioned guys that Smith Shawver came up uh, in this finale for the Braves. Uh, he doesn't get the win because the Braves fell behind briefly in in this game, but he does go five innings and three on runs. I've already mentioned he was a little erratic with his control. He was also kind of erratic with his velocity. He got up to eighty or sorry ninety eight ninety nine miles an hour on a couple fastballs, but then. He also started to sit more like 93, 94, uh, got a little better command when he was sitting there. But that being said, you know, it wasn't a terrible start. And compared to some starts we've gotten from Chirinos and from Sirocco lately and, and some of these other guys, it was better, right? It was, it was better. And so I do think that he is probably the best option as a back of the rotation guy. Uh, So I I very much wonder if he will stay in the rotation long term or if this was just another spot start and he's going to be sent back down. I really hope he he stays in the rotation with him and then Freed getting back uh, in just a matter of days. I think that will happen. It really starts to, you know, you can really start to see the Braves rotation rounding back. Into form. I think the only thing the Braves are looking for with Freed, since he threw just a couple of days ago, is how is he feeling? You know, after that last start, they pushed him to I think 79 pitches, which is the most he's thrown since he uh, got shut down earlier in the year. So as long as he can come back here um, sometime soon, I think the Braves rotation is very good. You know, uh, the Braves going out and getting a starter. Could it happen on the trade market here in the next day or two? Yeah, it could. So, uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the trade market. I do have some league news to, to start with. Not necessarily Braves news, though, you know, it's always a little bit related to the Braves in some ways. Uh, the first big news of the week is that Shohei Otani does not appear to be going anywhere. Uh, he is off the market as the Angels went out and acquired Lucas Giolito and another reliever from the White Sox uh, to bolster their pitching staff. So obviously, with that, you know, it, I just had a really hard time believing the Angels were going to offload Otani. Anyways, if they if they traded him, they were basically guaranteeing themselves that they would not be able to sign him back. And I think their hope and prayer is that he stays. Uh, With the Angels, so he stays, and um, I mean it's cool for Braves fans because the Angels are um, coming to town next. I I already mentioned to you guys that I'm going to two of those games. I'm going to the second and third game of those uh, of that series. Uh, He is not pitching in Atlanta, but we will get to see him hit a few times. Hopefully, we won't see him be too successful, and we'll see the Braves get the win. But it's still. Still pretty interesting to see Otani in Atlanta. Uh, He came for a brief visit last year as well. Um, But yeah, he is not going anywhere. The other bit of of news um, around the league is Max Scherzer uh, has been dealt to the Rangers as the Mets are beginning to sell as well. And of course, the Mets with the largest payroll in Major League history, uh, this appears to be Kind of the nail in the coffin of uh, their failure this season, and Scherzer to the Rangers certainly signals a big part of them waving the white flag. Um I mean, could miracles happen, and the, they still make a run? I suppose so, but man, I I don't know if I would <laughs> be be betting on that by any any means. So you know, as a Braves fan, it it's uh, we're we're never too uh, we're never feeling too bad for the Mets and their struggles. They certainly hit a lot of difficulties this season and Scherzer had to, he had to approve this trade. Uh, He also had to accept, um, he he had to take on his uh, contract extension, which is $43 million. Don't feel bad for him for having to do that, but that's what the, uh, what the Rangers required to make this trade so Scherzer will be with the Rangers not only this year but next the Mets will pick up 35 million dollars remaining on Scherzer's I think it's 58 million dollars still remaining total between this year and next so pretty remarkable as the Mets just take a gut punch and uh, deal Scherzer one kinda weird little interesting tidbit of this trade is Ronald Acuna's little brother Gets sent to the Mets, so he is now he, he now has to play in the Mets organization. I feel bad for him. Uh, it's also it would be weird if he if he makes the big leagues and they play against each other. Uh, but that did happen. One of the teams I've really been interested in following with uh, with the trade deadline is the St. Louis Cardinals. They are obviously in sell mode, and they had several players that I kind of liked, and I had mentioned in my previous episodes on the trade deadline. Couple of those players are going elsewhere, uh, just today. The, uh, Jordan Montgomery got traded to the Rangers. So here, here you have the Rangers adding two starting pitchers at the trade deadline. That's hard to do. And Jordan Hicks got sent to the Blue Jays. Hicks is the hard throwing relief pitcher for the Cardinals. So both of them going elsewhere, not to the Braves. So the Braves will have to look in other places for some additions. All right. So that's a few of the bigger moves that have been made thus far. I already mentioned Giolito to the Angels as well. Uh, So let's talk about the Braves. You know, I still think relief pitcher is the primary spot that the Braves are going to look to add. Uh, I would be kind of surprised if there's not at least one solid addition um, made by Anthopolis here at the deadline. The Braves don't have a ton of needs, like I already mentioned, with Ozuna and Rosario hitting well right now. I don't think they're going to really look at much offense other than maybe a backup infielder. I'll talk about that in a second. But in terms of their needs, I do think reliever is kind of the one obvious space that they could fill here. So what the Braves do at the trade deadline is probably going to tell us a lot about how serious uh, their current reliever injuries are. So remember that Dylan Lee, Jesse Chavez, and Nick Anderson are all kind of on the long-term Injury list stints, and um, you know there's there's some rumor that Dylan Lee and Jesse Chavez are closer to coming back. Nick Anderson is iffy for the season, but I think if Dylan Lee and Jesse Chavez, if the Braves feel really good about the fact that they'll be back soon, maybe they don't make a move or they make one kind of lower level move just to add another depth piece or maybe middle of the bullpen kind of guy. Uh, if they're If you're on those guys returning, that's when I think the Braves are going to go a little heavier uh, and get a a bigger arm for the bullpen. So, yeah, if they get one depth arm, I think Anthopolis probably feels good about the guys who are, you know, coming back soon. And um, if he doesn't feel confident, then maybe you get a high leverage arm. There aren't a ton of guys out there, but there certainly are always some pretty solid bullpen arms available. probably guys that aren't even on our radar. There's just so many uh, that could be out there. It's hard to cover uh, bullpen availability. But I have mentioned a couple guys in the past, and then I have one other name that's been popping up lately that I'll tell you guys. The first guy is Scott Barlow. I mentioned him several times from the Royals. Um, he has been an incredibly effective back-end closer reliever for the Royals for several years. The interesting thing with Barlow is he's actually struggled a good bit this year and specifically in July. So the Royals, it will be interesting to see if they do trade him because they would certainly be selling low on him. Uh, But, and you know, would, um, would the Braves be believing that this July is is just, you know, kind of random or a bump in the road and he can bounce back if you get him? So I don't know if they'd be interested in him right now or not. Uh, The second guy is a, a guy I have not, mentioned to you guys yet and that's Paul Seawald he is with the Mariners this guy has had a pretty interesting career he um he debuted kind of late uh, around 28 years old with the Mets he's been with the Mariners the last couple years and has really turned himself into a very very good relief pitcher last 3 years he's been close to elite this year he has a 2.93 ERA in 43 innings um, thirty-three years old, so this is not a young guy, but he's been very good and I think the Mariners are on the they're on the edge of contention, but I think they're closer to selling. Probably not selling a lot, but you know, one or two relief pitchers, that sort of thing. I I think I could see that happening. So Seawald might be a guy to keep your eyes out for. And the third guy I will mention, again, is Josh Hader. I think a lot of you guys would be uh, wanting me to talk about Hayter and his availability, uh, I do think the Padres are unlikely to sell. They are still five and a half games back of the wild card, which is obviously not insurmountable. Uh, they have an incredibly talented roster, and um, they've they've played pretty well over their last ten games. Uh, you know, I I also think it's highly unlikely they're going to sell most most of their big names. I mentioned Hayter, though, because I do think he's the most likely guy for them to sell if they were to sell anybody. Um, You know, a closer is a little less impactful. Uh, He is on, I mean, he would be a pure rental piece. So if the Padres don't feel like he's going to resign um, and maybe they lose their, their last two games here leading into the trade deadline, maybe they go ahead and sell him. Uh, I do like Josh Hader. I think obviously he would be an incredibly valuable uh, addition to the Braves if they were able to get him. I'm not holding my breath on it, but um, who knows? Uh, you know, crazier things have happened. Obviously, if you'd told people that, you know, I, you know, you've had some pretty remarkable trades uh, at the deadline over the last several years, uh, like Soto to the Padres and and other things. So this wouldn't even touch that realm of surprise so it's it's worth mentioning and um, you know us Braves fans can hope that that maybe something like that would happen as far as the Braves going out and getting a starter I've, I've basically already hinted at this but I think it all comes down to how good the Braves feel about Max Fried and his status uh, even though he's not back yet the timing of that is not great they, they haven't been able to see him on the mound at the big league level But if they feel good about his status and he's going to be able to get back into form uh, as October approaches, then I don't think the Braves feel like there's any need for another starter. Uh, Obviously, starters are a little more expensive on the open market. Uh, You've had a few starters already go in Giolito and Montgomery, so you have fewer to choose from even if the Braves were interested. Maybe they go out and get a really low-in-depth guy just in case, but in terms of an impact starter uh, for the Braves, I doubt it. Could be shocked, but uh, I think as long as they feel good about Freed, uh, they're probably good at this starter position. All right, the final need that I've mentioned to you guys in the past, backup infielder, I would like to see the Braves make a move here. Um, I think they could get a better option than Charlie Culberson. Uh, I love Charlie Culberson, Culberson personally, but, you know, if, if Riley or, uh, Arcia or, you know, whoever in the infield were to go down for any extended period of time, I don't think you would want to lean on Culberson, uh, for, for those, you know, for two weeks or more, you know, however long it would be. Uh, so there aren't a ton of guys out there that are, you know, that really stand out to you, but, um, you know, uh. Heimer Candelario for the Nationals is out there. He's really more of like a third-base, first-base guy, so he doesn't cover the shortstop position if you would need that. Um, Paul DeYoung with the Cardinals, I think I mentioned him in, in one of my last episodes. Um, he can play a pretty solid shortstop. So I he's a name that um, he has power. He's, he's not going to hit... Ever for a high average, he's probably going to strike out a lot, but he'd give you decent defense and some power potential. So he might be a guy that would be actually relatively cheap that I think they could go out and get if they wanted to. All right, guys. So, yeah, anyways, the trade deadline coming up fast and furious. We'll see if the Braves are active. Um, I'm just very curious. It wouldn't surprise me to see the Braves do next to nothing, (laughs) but I really think they, they will go out and at least get one arm. All right, next up, the Angels are coming to town. Like I mentioned, Shohei Otani is visiting. I would have loved to have seen Mike Trout in Atlanta as well, but he is injured, unfortunately. Uh, I will be at uh, Game 2 and Game 3, so I'm going to have a lot of fun going back down to Atlanta um, with my wife and my parents, and we are going to obviously root hard for the Braves. Uh, game 1 of this series, Morton is going against Canning. Canning is 6-4 and four with a 4 uh, four, six ERA. Morton has been a little, uh, hit and miss. Uh, his, his last outing in Boston was pretty sloppy. In fact, I think he, he, um, described it as a sloppy start, uh, for him just kind of not consistent in the zone. I feel like his, uh, his curveball hasn't been quite as sharp his last couple outings. So hopefully he can get back on track there. You know, Morton has been pretty darn good this season. Um, but he always seems to be tightroping out of danger, and I think that's one reason that uh, some Braves fans out there are frustrated with him. But uh, hopefully he can get back on track. Game two is Strider versus Sandoval. I'm really pumped that I'm going to be able to see Strider in person. Uh, Sandoval is 6-7 and seven with a 4.13 13 ERA. Uh, he's pitched well against the Braves in the past, um, not that the Braves have played the Angels a lot, but I do remember Sandoval having a really good game against them in the past. But the Braves have been hammering left-handers this season, so um, hopefully they can continue to do that against Sandoval. And then Game 3 is probably the worst pitching matchup for the Braves. Chirinos is making his second start versus Lucas Giolito, again, who has just been acquired by the Angels. He is 6-7 and seven with a three eight five ERA for the year. Um, you know, G- Giolito is not unhittable, uh, but he is he has really good stuff and when he's on he can be unhittable. Uh, he's just a little inconsistent with that. So all right guys, well, uh, the Braves, again turning things around, sweeping the Milwaukee Brewers and inviting the angels into town. Obviously the angels are um, fighting for a wild card spot. so be two potential ta- playoff teams uh, going against each other in this one and it'll be fun to watch. All right, well, guys, I appreciate you listening uh, or maybe watching on YouTube another uh, episode of State of the Braves, and I'll talk to you soon.